What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Micro Famous. I'm super excited for this episode because we are talking about can you niche down too far? This is a question that I get quite a bit because obviously the book and the brand is called Micro Famous. And so the question is, well, is it possible to go too micro, right? Is it, is it possible to choose a niche where it's too small, it's too constrictive, too confining, it doesn't work, like all those things. And there's obviously a lot of fear there around coming out and saying, hey, this is who I serve and this is exactly what I do and this is exactly who it's for and I don't do anything else because that hits especially for experts, right? For people who are selling coaching, consulting, speaking, they're writing business books, whatever. If you're an expert, it really hits at your identity at a deep identity level to come out and say, hey, I am the person who does X and these are the people that I serve and this is what I do. I think if you probably asked Peter Drucker in the 50s when he first started writing, like, hey, do you want to be the management guru and and all you will ever be known for for most of history is just you are the guy that wrote about management. And I think if you had probably asked him that when he was in his 30s and 40s, there would be a struggle. It turned out that way because he kept writing book after book after book on management. And I think he has a very secure and amazing long lasting legacy. But if you would have asked him, I would be very curious what he would say, because I think there's always a part of us. You know, he, he wrote a great book. Um, I, can't, I can't remember the title offhand, but it's kind of like this autobiographical story based book about all the characters that he encountered in his life. And it's a really great book. And he probably could have been a really good fiction writer or a biographical writer or he could have been a bunch of things. Right. All we know him for today is he was the management guy. You know, all we know about John Maxwell is, oh, he's the leadership guy. Uh, you might, all, all we know about Gary Vee 50 years from now is, that, oh, he was the guy that talked about social media a lot when that was a thing. And I think it hits us at an identity level. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, not just uh, selecting uh, the right niche and knowing when you've niched down too far, if that's possible, but also maybe a little bit about getting over the fear of that and some ways that we can do that. So um, the first thing I wanted to get across is that it's really hard. It's way harder than we give it credit for to truly niche down too far, to get into too small of a niche that it is impossible to reach our goals. Here's what actually happens most of the time. We pick a niche and we're, because we're not specific enough and because we don't have the right clear and compelling idea for that niche, our marketing grows slowly our message spreads slowly, clients come in slowly, and so we start looking for reasons why. And we start to go, okay, well, if I'm not getting as many clients as I want with the messaging now, maybe I need to expand. Maybe I'm being too restrictive. And I find that usually the opposite is true, that your message is spreading slowly and clients are coming in slowly, more because of your the lack of clarity in your marketing message and looking to appeal to more people is going in the exact opposite direction of clarity, right? It's actually going to make things muddier. It's going to dilute maybe even the very things that make you unique. And it's going to make it less likely that clients are strongly attracted to you. So to me, when things are not growing as fast as you want and your message isn't spreading like you want it to, our, our first instinct is to look to expand and we need to fight that instinct and go, no, if my message isn't spreading as fast, and the clients aren't coming in as fast, maybe the problem is I'm not razor sharp clear and super, super compelling in my messaging. I don't have the right clear and compelling idea that I'm putting into the world for that space. And the way to find that a lot of times, I would say most of the time, is to go one or two layers deeper, 
right? Think in terms of, okay, if I'm not being specifically clear and razor sharp clear enough for the, the group of people that I'm speaking to right now, what if I slice that market in half and left out half of the audience and only talked to the other half? You know, what, what could I say that'd be more compelling? You know, what if I left off this other group of people that I like to serve, but they're not the people I'm most passionate about serving? What if I left all those other people off and only spoke to the people that I'm most passionate about serving? What could I say that would be different and unique and compelling? And a lot of times those types of questions, going those one or two layers deeper, is actually what leads us to the thing that makes us the most compelling and it helps our message spread. And so that's the first thing is go, go one to two layers deeper. Right? When, when you get that sense that my message just isn't resonating and spreading and attracting and, and polarizing and pulling people into me the way I want it, don't, don't expand, contract. Look at who do I need to exclude so that I can speak more clear and more compellingly to the people that are left. Because that a lot of times is actually the real challenge. It's more of a marketing challenge, not a total size of the niche. So you also have to understand, and let's call this roughly number two, you have to understand how big the total available market is for your service compared to your capacity. So think about this. If you went after a market of 100,000 people, if you became the number one authority in that niche market, you're probably looking at that going, yeah, great. I don't need anybody else, right? Like if you're a real estate coach and you are the top real estate coach to the top 100,000 agents out of the million that are out there, you are just fine. You will never need anything else. You'll run a multi, multi-million dollar business. You'll be just fine for the rest of your life. But think about it, let's go one layer deeper. What if the market size is only 10,000? And that's where people start to get hung up as they go, ooh, man, I don't know. You know, like, I don't know if I can speak to that small of a group of people and still build the business that I want. But think about it, if you were the number one authority in that market of 10,000 people and you captured 50 to 80% of the sales in that market, would you still get the business that you want? And I think for a lot of experts, the answer is yes. They could operate if they dominated, absolutely dominated and became the number one expert in a space of 10,000 potential clients, they would get the six or seven figure business that they want. So the problem isn't a market size. It isn't the size of the niche. It's the strength of the marketing. The, their marketing is not on the way to making them the number one expert in that space. And so the marketing is the problem, not the size of the niche. So my belief is if you have a clear and compelling idea that speaks deeply to an audience of five to 10,000 people who can afford a high ticket offer, you can run a mid six to seven figure business and beyond. If you have a clear and compelling idea, right? Your marketing is good. You have that idea that speaks deeply to an audience of five to 10,000 people who can afford a high ticket offer, then you can absolutely run a mid six to seven figure business. I know this in practice because I know a bunch of people who do it. And just to give you a quick example, I've used this on the podcast before, just in the space of real estate, team building, and indie brokers, right? Not a huge space. On, on a good year, there's maybe 15, 20,000 uh, of those folks that are buying you know, high ticket offers to learn how to grow their real estate team or their small brokerage more effectively. There's not a ton of coaches that specialize in that. Most real estate coaches are teaching agents how to sell more homes per year. They're not teaching team building. They're not teaching real entrepreneurship to real estate team leaders. So I know all the players in that space because for the most part, I've launched all their podcasts and they're, they're friends of mine. And I know that they all operate seven figure businesses in that space where the whole market is only about 15 to 20,000 people. In fact, one of my clients, his podcast gets 10,000 downloads a month in that market. And so most people think of it in terms of they're not growing the way they want. They think, oh, I need to expand. But what if you didn't? 
What if you contracted? What if you got more specific? What if you excluded more people from your, from your messaging so that you could get super clear and specific? Um, just as one example, the uh, Jeff Cohn with the team building podcast, that's the one that I mentioned that gets $10,000 a month in that market. We would do episodes on incredibly specific things like, hey, here's how to ha hire your first, um, you know, or here, here's how to hire like your first transaction processing person so that you're on your way to building up your team. Uh, here's how to buy online leads and convert them at, you know, raise your conversion rate from one and a half to three points uh, per year. Those are things that the average person in, in the overall niche of real estate doesn't care about, but real estate team leaders care really deeply about, right? They were spending money to generate leads and they weren't converting. So we did very, very specific episodes about that. So we excluded the majority of the market, which allowed us to really hone in and, and razor, ra like just go in super, super laser targeted on the exact high end of that niche and only speak directly to them. So we ended up with a podcast that did really well and generated revenue really easily. It was an audience of, you know, 15 to 20,000 people max. They could afford a high ticket offer and it's built a mid six to seven figure business. And I mentioned this to several other people. I know that we're all run million dollar businesses in that same niche where the maximum audience size of people who can buy their services in a year is 15, maybe 20,000 people on a good year. Now let's go through a couple more examples. Uh, Boss Mom is a good one. We produce the Boss Mom podcast. Uh, she attracts pretty consistently people that are outside of her niche. In fact, some of her best one-on-one -on -one clients are not what you would consider a boss mom. She has guys, she has you know parents, she has people that aren't parents. Um, she attracts other people into her world. But if she was to go after everyone, she would, it would dilute the very qualities that are the most attractive and brings the most important people into her world, the people that she's most passionate about serving. So by being specific, the overwhelming majority of the people that she attracts into her world are the right people for her. And then other people are kind of pulled along the way and she does get other people buying her stuff. But because she's, get, she's really specific about who she's for, she's only for mom entrepreneurs, then that's who she draws. And that's also who her, her products and her services are 100% custom tailored for. So, and that's not, you know, some people would say that's not a huge niche. Some, would pe some people would say, oh, that, that's a massive niche, but it's not really that huge in the big scheme of things. It's not, uh, you know, even, even when you look at the niche that Gary Vee or Tony Robbins operates in, in comparison to, let's say the health and fitness niche, those are tiny niches. Now, anything that has to do with business development is tiny compared to uh, weight loss, for example. So, so you have to keep in mind, everything is relative. Now let's look at another example, Brandios. I bring this up in the book. Brandios is this really cool digital agency based here in San Diego. And I met the owner, one of the co-founders, and he told the story of how they went after minor league sports baseball teams. Uh, when they were first starting out, they were just starting an agency. They were doing web website and branding and logo design, which there's a whole, there's you know millions of competitors out there all over the world that you're competing with if you're in that space. But what they did is they sent a letter to 150 minor league baseball teams and said, hey, this is what we do, this is what we specialize in. And they picked up their first client and then another and then another, and now they are the leader in that space. And now they've been able to expand outside of minor league baseball into other minor league sports franchises and types of teams, right? So there was always the path there. They were able to go super, super niche at first where the, the whole universe of potential people who could hire them were only 150 teams. Think about that small of a niche. But that got them the foothold that made them the number one player in a very lucrative space. And now they're able to break out and expand from there. Let's look at another, Jay Campbell. Uh, when Jay and I first started working together, whew, 
like 2015, I think we, uh, we relaunched his podcast. Uh, at the time it was called, uh, the TOT revolution. TOT stands for testosterone optimization. And Jay essentially made himself the number one expert in that space, testosterone and hormone optimization for men. Well, you know, flash forward five years later, he's ready to break out into his next niche. And you can go back into this podcast where I did a whole two episode arc that broke down exactly what he did to get there and what his next steps are. And now he has the option to go into the larger niche of just overall health optimization. It's the, so testosterone was, was like a sub niche of that bigger niche of health optimization. So now he's moving into that space. But the fact that he started super, super niche built him an incredibly savvy, sophisticated, well-read, voracious audience that absolutely loved him and spread his stuff. And so he's been able to do a lot of this stuff without big social media spends. So he'd be able to make himself the number one expert in a hyper niche space. And now he's able to grow out and expand from there. One more. I've got a gal that I'm working with to launch her podcast. And what she does is she's a physician and she built a side consulting practice teaching other female physicians, mostly OBGYNs, specifically how to negotiate their contract and negotiate higher, higher pay and better lifestyle concessions that allow them to live the life that they want. And we were talking through like what her niche size is and, you know, like there's people in her life that are telling her, Hey, like go super big, you know, talk about female empowerment, do all this. And she just finally said, she's like, you know, I don't think I'll ever need to leave the physician space. She has the potential to, to speak to anyone in healthcare. But the problem is, is that all of those little groups within the healthcare system all talk differently, use different language and have different little internal rivalries with each other that makes it really hard to speak to them as a group. But if you can get specific about who you want to serve, you can get really specific with your messaging, right? You can have a clear and compelling idea that speaks really, really deeply to those right people. And so I love that she's already made that decision that for the most part, probably for the rest of her professional career, she would be just fine speaking only to female physicians because as small of a niche as that is within the realm of healthcare, it's still a big enough niche that she can run exactly the business that she wants. So I want to challenge you to think about, you know, what if you had a space of only 10,000 people, but you were the number one expert in that space and those people were buying a high ticket offer from you. Could you run the exact business that you want to run? And I would argue in most cases, unless you want to build a $10 million, uh, you know, coaching or, or consulting business, or maybe you want to launch something that could eventually be a hundred million dollar software company. Like, unless you have those types of aspirations, if you want to run a, an expert business that makes you seven figures a year, you really don't need a huge niche. What you need is a super, super compelling marketing message that actually makes you the number one expert in a certain space. And if you were the number one expert in that space, you would have all the revenue that you need. So let me give you a few specific examples where it is theoretically possible, even though it's very difficult, I think, but it is at least theoretically possible to niche down too far. So here's one uh, that one of my clients brought up, which is when you are an expert selling a certain type of expertise that is only needed for a very, very small slice of time in a person's life. So I'll give an example. Um, you are a home stager. Uh, home stagers only come into place for homeowners that need to stage their home to get it ready for, to sell. People only sell their homes once every five to seven years. So guess who a home stager's real clients are? It's not the homeowner, it's the real estate agent. 
That's who the relationships are with because the clients and the, like the actual homeowners, they don't think of home staging all the time. They don't think they need it all the time. They only need it once every five to seven years and they only need it. You know, some people will only use a home stager maybe once out of the five or seven homes they sell over the course of their life. So the relationship, uh, you know, in, in terms of like, can you niche down too far? Absolutely. The home stager could accidentally niche down too far and start speaking to homeowners and that their niche is actually the real estate agents that they need to build the relationships with because it's the agents that send them the referrals month after month after month. So you can niche down too far when you're serving people that only need you for a certain slice of time. Another good example from a client is folks that, especially in her community, women that want to help women that are in the first trimester of their pregnancy. A niche I am wildly unfamiliar with. I have no idea what's going on in that niche, but I do know this. They only need that once in a while and for a very short, you know, two to three month period of time, whatever a trimester is in, in pregnancy, but that's the only time they need that expertise. So guess what? You can absolutely niche down too far in that space because you've got a group of people that only need you for a certain slice of time. And then, you know, maybe they'll be a repeat buyer two, three, five years from now, maybe if you stay in touch with them that whole time. So that's number one. Here's another one, a mismatch between what you want to sell and the size of the niche. So for example, when I talk about, you know, being able to build the business you want in a market where there's only, let's say 10,000 people, that's assuming that you are selling a high ticket offer. What if you want to sell a low cost membership? Well, you may not be able to sell the low cost membership that you want. If you have a total potential buyer audience of only 10,000 people, you may have to come up with a, with a membership that appeals strongly to a hundred thousand people in order to get the numbers that you need to make that business viable. This is why I'm not a big fan of all the pitches to start a business that's like the Netflix of real estate, the Netflix of mortgage. Let's put all these educational trainings on one platform and make it, you know, 19 bucks a month. And that sounds great. There's a million real estate agents out there and there's a million loan officers out there and there's a million insurance professionals out there. Like the numbers theoretically make sense. The problem is it's really hard to come up with a marketing pitch, a, a clear and compelling idea that speaks so deeply to enough people in that space that it gets the numbers that actually make that worth the blood and sweat and tears to build it. And I would add, by the way, that Netflix is not profitable and has not been profitable. In fact, there's something like $10 billion in debt. So the, the jury is out on whether a Netflix business model, does it even work, period, let alone is it, should, is it something that we should be copying out here in entrepreneur land and trying to build business models based on it? I would say jury is still out. So that's number two. There's a mismatch between what you want to sell, especially the price point, versus the size of the audience, right? If you want to sell something in a small audience, it's better to sell a high ticket offer than a low price membership. So that's number two. Now, here's the third place where you can niche down too far. And that's when you start saying no to people that don't fit your ideal before you have your clear and compelling idea that's attracting more of the right people. What you would like to see, and this is what I help people do uh, through the fast track with all the strategy tools that are in there, as well as it's what, what I help clients do when we're putting their podcast together, is the first thing that we want to do is kind of map out their belief system and help them uncover their clear and compelling idea. That's the idea that you put into the world that once people hear it, they can't unhear it. And that's what strongly attracts the right people to you. But what if you start saying no to all the people that aren't a good fit before you have that marketing message out there and drawing the right people in? Well, you're turning away revenue for really no good reason. Now, there is a time and a place to start saying no. 
but it's when your clear and compelling idea is out there, it's in the marketplace, it's starting to get traction, and you're getting more of the right people in. And now saying yes to the wrong people is inhibiting your ability to take on more of the right people. That's when you start saying no. You don't start saying no just out of the blue and then hope that more of the right people come in. You got to have your marketing message in place that's drawing those people in. You got to have a clear and compelling idea that speaks deeply to them so that you start to draw the right people into you. Then you can start to say no to the people that aren't a good fit. So that's a place where you can niche down too far. And it's more of a timing issue than really an issue with the size of the niche. But that is a mistake that people make um, that is theoretically possible when you start to niche down is if you start saying no too quickly to the people that are uh, not quite your ideal fit before you really have the marketing in place to bring in the right people, then you can absolutely niche down too far and maybe too fast is a better way to put that. So let's, let's sum up real quick. It's really hard to niche down too far. Go one to two layers deeper from wherever you're at. And, and anytime you feel like your message is not spreading the way you want it to, clients are coming in you know, slower than you want them to, instead of thinking of expanding who you appeal to, shrink the battlefield. In fact, that's one of the chapters in the book, shrink the battlefield. Think about excluding, talking to fewer people so that you can come up with a clear and compelling idea that speaks really, really deeply to them and gets them off the couch and moving. It gets them into your email list. It gets them listening to your podcast. It gets them buying your stuff because that's the key. It's very difficult in, in these days where you can sell anything to anyone all across the world to really, truly pick a niche that's too small, especially when you're selling your expertise online. So it's more a matter of lacking a clear and compelling idea. In other words, our marketing message is not strong enough. It's not compelling enough. It's not razor sharp, clear enough so that we go out there into the market and things are just sluggish. That's the real problem most of the time. And what's funny about it is that the, the path to breakthrough to hitting that breakthrough where you, where you uncover that clear and compelling idea that's like a lightning bolt from heaven that goes, holy cow, I found it. This is it. This is my message. This is what I want to say. The path to get there is not by talking to more people. It's by talking to fewer people. So that's what I've got for you today. I hope that was enjoyable. Thanks so much, everyone, for subscribing, for listening, for sharing with the podcast, all that fun stuff. Thanks for grabbing the book. I appreciate all the, uh, the reviews that you guys leave on Amazon, all the, the reviews that you guys leave for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. They are hugely helpful. I very much appreciate it. We'll see you on the next one. Hope that was fun for you.